Jesus speaking. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do so many deeds of power in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditations of our hearts may be an honor and a glory to you. Amen. So Jesus, after he is given the Sermon on the Mount, Issues here, what I put in the bulletin as a four-part challenge, but it might as well be a four-part warning. And Jesus is going to work from the outside of discipleship inward. He's going to go from the outside in mounting with each step the challenge. Now, the first challenge Jesus puts out to his listeners is a decision. There are two ways. There is the broad way that many, many people will take. And there is the narrow way of Christ that only so many will find. Jesus points out, the gate is wide. You really don't have to make any effort to get into the broad path. And the road is easy. It is so easy to just keep going on the path that leads to destruction. But it's a narrow, narrow gate. You have to find the right religion. You have to find the right savior. And then it's a hard road once you are on it. Jesus never promises that it'll be roses and sunshine and little birdies tweeting every time. And Jesus points out as his first challenge, we must make the decision which road we are on. And then we must walk in that way. Notice Jesus doesn't say anything about whether the people following the narrow road do any good at it. 
But he does point out there needs to be a concrete decision of where you actually set your feet. Jesus is concerned lest some of his hearers think that having been on the broad path and seeing the little cut up into the hill, walking to the gate, considering it, perhaps saying a sinner's prayer once, and then continuing along the same broad path, he doesn't want the illusion to get into our minds that we have really stepped onto the narrow way. But there is grace in this also, because once the foot has left the broad path and stepped upon the narrow way, Jesus has promised he will bring it to completion. But Jesus issues now a challenge that gets further. So the first one is whether you're in or out, the farthest of the circles of disciples. People who've decided they're going to listen to Jesus at all, or people who are not. Next comes folks who look like they are in, who want to be counted as they are in, but are not. The false prophets have no pretensions internally of actually being Christians. This is the most important thing to always notice about false teachers. Because notice they don't come in and they... Jesus doesn't say, beware the, the false believers who come in in sheep's clothing but are secretly goats that just want to eat the same hay as the rest of us and maybe get a free meal ticket. No, Jesus says specifically beware those who want to be false prophets. People that pretend to Christianity do it because they sense there is power in the movement. And Jesus understands how powerful those words are. Thus says the Lord. Well, these outsiders that want to look like insiders come in and they do it seeking their own means and their own ends. And Jesus says how to discriminate between them and actual believers. Look at the fruit. Someone using only a thin veneer of Christianity to cover a political ideal, to cover what they think anyways, is ultimately, and sometimes it takes a while, fruit has to ripen for a season, is not going to bear Christian fruit. Jesus says you cannot say it's a good fruit that just accidentally gave you that moral failing. We can't say the prophet, the leader in our church, that makes moves that destroy good doctrine, that destroy good living, that break up lives, that promotes all sorts of bad things that we really know shouldn't be long in church. Jesus is saying here, that is their fruit, and there you shall know them. And furthermore, he is bounding them out, saying, you are not even in. You are wolves if your fruit is bad. But the gospel again is, Jesus is saying, throughout the rest of Scripture, and his spirit is pleading now, these prophets realize there is power in Christ's work. They have the right to claim that power to sanctify their souls and be Christian like the rest of us and bear good fruit. But Jesus is challenging them, look to your fruit. Are you using my power for men's means or for God's kingdom? Now we step inward. So we've gone from the in out to the I want to be in, but I don't want to make any of the changes to those who are in earnestly. They want to be in. And we get to one of Jesus' most terrifying sayings, if you think about it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. These people have convinced themselves that they are Christians. 
And what's more, the external aspects of the religion are awesome. It says here that they do deeds of power, they cast out demons, they prophesy, and they do deeds of power in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is not sitting here saying they didn't do those things. But how, how terribly shocking to think of believers that don't pray as timidly as we do. We have sick relatives and we pray and we will go, well, Lord, you know, maybe if you want to fix them. These are men and women who stick out their hands and say, in the name of Christ, be healed. And it happens. And they are very sure in the bottom of their hearts that they are Christians. But notice what happens when they come up to Christ. And that final judgment of that day in verse 23 I will declare to them, I never knew you. Get away from me, you evildoers. I don't believe these Christians that get that response will be anything but scandalized. But Jesus must point this out for anyone who thinks they are in Christianity, that has a good form of external religion, that may be strict in their spiritual disciplines, that there is no substitute for knowing him. He is getting us narrower on the path and the way. As we talked about in our evening Bible study, Jesus doesn't preach a doctrine that must be accepted. Jesus preaches himself. I am the way and the truth and the life. All who come to me. Jesus is here saying that even my mighty acts of power, if they do not come through me, have no part. Because as the Father is in me, I will be in you. So Christian, do not deceive yourself because you can do all the external acts. Do not deceive yourself by this, that, or the other thing. But make very sure in your hearts that you have come to know Jesus Christ personally. That may perhaps terrify you. These people are doing miracles. They're casting out demons. And they haven't gotten to the point where they can be like, hey, Jesus, what's up? And Jesus is like, hey, as we see on all the stupid shirts at the mall. The knowledge of Jesus rests on the person of who he is. He has promised to give himself to any who ask on his name. Ask it now. And the act of faith is to seize it. But we must continue on. Jesus gives a final challenge. So he has gone from in and out, to those who just want to look like they're in, to those who think they're in but aren't, to true, honest, believing disciples. And Jesus gives a contrast between these believers. They have everything. They know Jesus. None of it is fake, but there is still a decision lying in it. Jesus says you got to build your house somewhere. You've got to plant your church on some sort of doctrinal statement. You've got to live your life as if something is true. Jesus is saying there's a possibility for someone to have gotten past all these challenges and still not do it. They go out and they build their house on sinking sand. And that is just far too sad and common an example. Christians who know in the burning of their breast, in the moving of their mind, what God's will is in their life, what his will is for their moral conduits of whatever. They know what God wants. They know what he requires. They know the blessings that he could give them, but they just don't do it. 
They know how to build a house. They know it needs to sit on a foundation, but still they go out into the floodplains. How many times have we deceived ourselves? I think of a story from the Cherokee that I learned this week. The Cherokee have a story of a young boy. He finds an old snake. And the snake says to the young boy, I'm too old to get up that mountain, but I want to see one final sunset. I promise if you take me up, I won't bite you. The boy thinks about it, and being a, a small child, he picks the snake up, and he holds the snake. And while as they're going up the hill, they stop for the first night, and the snake says, I'm cold-blooded. I need to get warm. And so the boy tucks the snake in his jacket, and he warms it up. And the next day, they finally get up the mountain, and him and the rattlesnake watch the sunrise together, and it's beautiful. And the boy, with his now friendly rattlesnake, the rattlesnake says, I'm satisfied now. In fact, you can take me down to the woods, but can I stay close to your breast because I love feeling the beating of your heart and your warmth. The boy takes the snake down the hill and he sets the snake down. And as he turns to leave, the snake comes and bites him right in the ankle. And the boy says, why did you bite me? Now I must die. And the snake says, you knew what I was when you picked me up. Do not be deceived, O Christian. You have Christ. You have the discernment of the Holy Spirit. You have his scripture. But how many churches, how many of our lives get bit because we build on another foundation? But lastly, we have Christ's strongest promise, ending on the positive. I am, he didn't. That everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built upon the rock. Life conducted in personal faith to Jesus Christ is not going to be broad. It is not going to be easy. It is not going to be like everyone else's. He has promised the way is narrow and treacherous and hard. He has said that you will have to bear good fruit. You'll have to pay attention to those sort of things. You'll have false prophets come at you. And you're going to have to decide which one's which. Jesus says that for the Christian, he's going to have to walk through his life asking himself constantly, do I really know Jesus? Even when the prayers are answered in a phenomenal way. But Jesus says if we follow his teachings and build our lives upon it, then there is nothing that can shake us. Because the ultimate testimony and the reason we preach Christ is not because even though it will, God's word will never pass away. But Christ in his person is undefeated. Christ in his person took on our sin. Christ in his person died upon the cross. And Christ in his person is the resurrection. And when we stand within him, all those things are within us. And he has taken all the storm and gale that there can be. Whatever sin could come up and tempt the Christian, whatever sin could make us feel disqualified, it has been placed upon him. Whatever trial, betrayal, beating, savagery, death even upon a cross, Christ has done it. And no matter what grave or moldering of bones, in Christ Jesus, we have been risen out of it. And so we end... Our series on the Sermon of the Mount, verses 28 and 29. Now, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching. 
For he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Christian, there are four choices, four challenges, four warnings. May you heed them. Let us pray.